but guess what? They're more important than you think they are. Let me read this to you. They're more important than you think they are saying that I am that I am that they say that I am wealthy. We are highly, highly favored. We love you. All right. Here we go. Last week we uh, talked about uh, being in family. Talked about being in family. We read from Psalm chapter 68, this great news of the heart of God. Chapter 68, 4 and 6, it says this. A father to the fatherless, a defender of widows, is God in his holy dwelling. God sets the lonely in family. He leads forth the prisoners with singing. Now, what we were talking about last week was this idea that God desires in his heart of hearts, he desires to put all of us in families. I'm going to move out of the way we now, you've got God's heart. His desire in His heart is to put us in families. And so what we talked about last week is that when we come into this informal setting, excuse me, into this formal setting, this planned thing that's hard for you to connect with other people, right? Some of you have come into vintage and a few people have said hi here and there, but ultimately you do not feel connected. And we know this is the heartbeat of God. He longs to put each of us into a family of people that we can be in relationship with who who know us and that we know them. And so what we said was, we want to know, now take a step towards these informal gatherings, which we're calling small groups. So we are said, after the church today, in this room right over here, you have an opportunity to sign up for one of these small groups. But it's this in, it's informal setting where we can really do life with one another. You can be in relationship with one another. You can actually get to know one another. And we said this is just a, a first step for us because we sense God is calling us to be Acts chapter 2, 42 through 47 model of doing ministry and of doing life together. If you've ever read Acts chapter 2, 42 through 47, you'll know it's very different. Hey, you want to know what it looks like to be in a family? Well, they can sign up. 
or where you were born or where you spend an end of the day in the eyes of God, none of those things determine the value of your eternity with God. Only one thing determines your value. So much so that you actually know what's going on in people's lives so that when they are going toward the direction they shouldn't go, you can save them. There you go. Number three, place for humility. It's a place for humility. Paul recognized that humility is better than loving, and that everyone is just one step away from falling into sin themselves. He basically says that. He says, we are all susceptible to falling into temptation. He says, listen, be careful. recognize that you're not better than anybody else. And they may have fallen into a hole, and you can never look down and think that you are better. Why? Because Paul recognizes that any
meant to be responsible for each other. Paul said, carry each other's burdens. Carry each other's burdens. This is a weighty responsibility that God has given us. So we all have to carry it into our small body of life. It's imperative that we are actually looking at people and they're saying, I'm struggling. You say, how can I help? Whether I'm just coming along and praying for you or I'm literally coming and selling my car and getting here to act up. Selling something to help you pay for something that you can't pay for. Just telling the Bible talk about, right? You have to wrestle with this. All being in community, being in a relationship with one another, it is not easy, but it's the call of God. This thing. Do your part. Paul said to, to carry your own load. I think it's chapter 6, verse 5. He says, You all need to each need to carry your own load. What Paul is saying is simply this. Each of you have a specific responsibility in the family of God. You each have something that you are called to do. Each of you have a, something that he has gifted you in. And so when you step into the body of Christ, you step into your family, guess what? Every single one of you are called to give, and every single one of you are called to receive. You have to do your part. So what I was, I'm going to, just a little, just a little, little commercial right here for plugging into a church. Listen, if you are a professional church hopper and you just did a different flavor for the, this, the different flavor for the month, stop! Because you're not able to flesh out the gifts that God has given you because they can only be fleshed out in the, in the context of the body of Christ. And so listen, if you like some other church better than Vintage, then stop coming here. God has not called you here, and go there. I don't want you here, because if you're supposed to be somewhere else, if you like their Kool-Aid better, then go drink it. And go and serve, and go and connect, and go be Jesus there. Stop doing this whole run of the gauntlet thing. I just can't. Listen. If all you ever say is, I can't find some place that I can connect, then you find the place you connect best and you stay. And you learn to love Jesus there and love people and be in community. Because listen, it is arrogance to think that you can't connect somewhere. You always have something to learn. So if you want to stay at Vintage, oh, praise Jesus. And if you want to leave Vintage because you found some other place you love, then praise Jesus. You go where God is calling you and stop jumping around. Stay in one place, commit, and bring. Because what I say is this. You carry something that either we need or they need. If you don't like that we don't have something, then be Jesus and bring it. All right. So, each of us, each of us, we're called to be part of the family, right? Each of us has a role to play in the family. Each of us needs to open our eyes to the family and ask God, hey, what is the thing you're calling me to do? What is the role? If it's simply to come and just to serve, fantastic, right? You're called to come and to pray, fantastic. Whatever it may be, find the thing that God has called you to do. You need to connect with the family. But the reality is simply this. Hear, hear me on this. If you think that you can connect into a church, listen. If you think that you can connect to a church family and it won't be messy, then you are lying. Because wherever you go, it is going to be messy. Because each of us understand this. In the context of family, in your own personal family, is there messiness? 
Do you come into a holiday season and go, oh, no. I've got to be around Uncle so-and-so. I've got to be around Grandpa so-and-so. Grandma so-and-so. You know, do you all get in, like, your sibling, because there's always this sibling rivalry, this whole thing going on. Do you always have some sort of brokenness or some level of messiness in the context of every family situation that you go into? Then how would you think that you wouldn't have that in your church family? We're human beings too. That's why there's messiness, because in the context of doing life, there's always brokenness, and there's always messiness, and there are always people that are going to hurt your feelings, and there are always going to be people who are going to break your trust and do something that you wish they wouldn't do. But we, for some reason, we live in the context of the leave it to beaver, Cosby show mentality in church. We think everything's going to be perfect in 30 minutes. It's broken, but in 30 minutes, at the end of the sitcom, everything's going to be fun, and we're all going to love it on each other. No! It is messy in family. When we get into our vintage 242 setting, and we get in the context of church, guess what? You're going to get mad at somebody, and somebody's going to get mad at you, and you're going to hurt someone's feelings, and you're going to get your feelings hurt. I guarantee you, if you stay here five, ten years, every single one of you are going to have your feelings hurt by me. Guarantee it. Right? Uh, you're going to walk up. I'm going to be looking at somebody. You think I'm looking at you, and you wave, and I don't see you, and I keep running past you, and you're like, oh, my gosh, he hates me. I can't stand Steve now, right? I'm going to go, I have no idea what you're talking about, right? I was looking at Lisa and completely missed you over here. Jamie, sorry, right? The whole thing going on. Is this going to happen? Family is messy. Family is broken. It always happens forever. In, in Scripture, one of the families that I always look at, this is Jesus-formed family like we are. One of the most clear Jesus-formed families in all Scripture is the disciples. The disciples. And you look at the disciples, right? And they're often this, this family that we idealize. Man, if I could have just walked with Jesus. Man, if I could have just healed this person. Man, if I had just seen what the disciples saw and sat with him in this, in, in this inner circle and had conversations my life would be great too, but you look at them and what do we see? We see Peter and John with this high level of competition to the point I literally think that Peter hated John. I mean, I literally, I really do. If you ever read Scripture, you see that you know, it's kind of dramatic, but I think it's true. I mean, you see them just button heads all the time. They didn't like one another. I think that Peter, I mean, listen, he's hyper-competitive just like me, right? He's hyper-competitive and he's like, well, that's just, I can't believe that Jesus has this relationship with, with Jesus. That's not fair, Jesus. I mean, I'm special too, right? What's wrong with me? Why are you closer to John than you are every single other person, right? Why did Peter look at John and say, hey, why don't you lean in and ask Jesus who's going to betray him? Wink, wink. Because everybody knows that John's the closest to Jesus, right? And it's happening, right? Jesus is playing favorites. Why did Jesus have his favorites? Peter, James, and John, they pulled up on the sermon up on the mountaintop, right, when he was transfigured into this glowing figure. Only three people went. None had to stay behind. That's not fair. Hurt feelings going all the way around, right? Peter and James. And there's that, this, that really, that, that, that scripture, I'm, I don't think it's probably a real scripture. I'm sure they added it later. In Matthew 16, 23, I'm just tongue-in-cheek right there for those of you who get worried about his Bible thing. 
And Jesus looked at Peter and said, listen, Jesus looked at Peter and said, get behind me, Satan. Ouch! I mean, that's what he said. I mean, it's right there. It says, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the things of God and the things of men. This is not a buddy of mine when I was at Wesley. He was a junior in college, and he said, this guy's getting on my nerves, and I don't know what to do. And I said, well, next time he says something to you, just say, get behind me, Satan, and walk off. And I laughed, thinking that he knew I was kidding. Literally three years later, he came back and said, hey, I told him to get behind me, Satan. I'm like, what? Are you an idiot? <laughs> True story, right? But Jesus did it. I mean, this is broke. This is messed up. But it happened, right? There's brokenness. They traveled together. They lived together. They ministered together. In short, they were a family together, and they were broken. We've talked before and said at this moment, the, the Lord's Supper, where Jesus comes and breaks it, pours out the wine and the wine. The disciples, they engage it by standing in a corner, arguing about who the greatest disciple is. Totally missing this moment. That is messed up. That's what happens in the context of family. When we talk about being in a family and we talk about being here together, listen, y'all, it is a broken thing. When you get into your small groups, it's going to be broken. You have relationships that are difficult. You're going to have all these issues of brokenness and all of these great tensions you're going to face. And those tensions, listen, because we live in a culture that tells you to be at ease all the time, Right, you can have a television in every room, and you can press pause and go to this room, and you can have a bathroom. Literally, you can have a television in your bathroom, right? Because we love ease, that we like to be like everything in a hurry. If we don't get our fast food fast, we get angry, and we go and talk to the manager about it and take even longer for some reason to have a conversation with him. He's like, okay, whatever, right? We just like everything right now. We live in this culture, in this setting, and, and we live in this place, and all of a sudden when tension comes and difficulty comes, we like to run. You've got to take off your running shoes.
as we talk about this messiness, this, this idea of living in relationship together, as God has called us to family. He's called us into this family context. He's called us into the, the fruit of the Spirit. He's called us to relate to our brothers and sisters. He's called us into this place of, of messiness. And what I would simply say about this messiness is this. Within relationships, especially this family connections, we will expect tension. And listen, it's what I call creative tension. Creative tension. Not you creating something, but God creating something in you because of tension. Think about this very familiar verse to you. Proverbs chapter 27, verse 17. It's going to be up here on the screen. It says this. As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. There is tension created as two pieces of iron come together. They're rubbing. It sounds terrible, doesn't it? It is uncomfortable to the ears. And it's that point. You're going, all of a sudden there's a big chunk in one of the swords because someone wasn't taking care of their sword and they hit it on something. There's a big now chunk out of it. And it hits and goes like this. And there's this massive foot edge connected to an edge that's really difficult. But the, the first year of our marriage, you know, Randall would say the first year of marriage was heavenly. I would say it was hard. And, and so we were sitting there in the midst of our marriage, and I remember sitting before the Lord going, Oh, my God. Literally, I'm saying, not, not like, Oh, my God, help me, right? This is the hardest thing I've ever done, right? I am a jerk. I think she's not nice sometimes, too. And it's a really difficult dynamic going down in the midst of our relationship. I said, Lord, what's the picture here? And I saw these two stones spinning on an axis, and they were equal, right? And I looked at these stones, and I recognized, you know what's going on? Look at the rock. This is out. It's got these jagged edges in it, right? It has these growths on it. And, all sorts of, and when you put those two rocks on an axis, and you begin to spin them like this, you see, you see the storm brewing, right? You see these two massive jagged edges, these big parts, that all of a sudden they're about to hit one another. And they hit, and it's like an explosion. You ever experienced those before? This boom, right? And all of a sudden, but when you're like, oh, this is so bad. My marriage is so ugly. Everything is terrible. My life is terrible, right? And all of a sudden, the rock continues to go. And I feel like the Lord is saying, as I take the rock, and those jagged edges, they hit one But every time it hits one another, it softens like water on rocks. Never be about difficult times, no. We 
and you live in family here in the body of Christ, it's going to be like every other family. It's going to be like jagged edges in this rock. And when you hit one another, unless you look, you need to let the Lord begin this creative work in you that can only happen in the context of relationship. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? Do you see this picture of creative tension that God does? Listen, if you think that you live outside of the church and have your own personal relationship with Jesus and never spend time with other believers, you will be a terrible Christian. Because there's nothing to hone you. There is no creative tension. You have been created for the tension of community. Why, why do you think you were created for marriage? Those of you who are in it, feel called to it. Why do you think that God leads us to that place? So you can have fun all the time? How many of you say that marriage is the easiest thing you It's hard. Guess what? So will your relationships be here in the body. I'm telling you this because I don't want you to run when the divine moments come for you to die. Don't run. Take off your shoes. Hold up and say, I'm committed. say is this. In, I'm going to read through these points. You can go home and let's just read Ephesians 2, 14 through 19 real quick. I'm taking this from the New Living Translation. So just follow along. Read up here. Just listen. I want you to hear this. I'm about to talk about the, about to talk about the Jews and the Gentiles. The Jews and the Gentiles are like modern day like racism from the 60s. The Jews would be the whites who just don't like African Americans. All heard of Martin Luther King and all the riots all the time, right? Difficult season of our of our country, right? This is racism going on. You have African Americans over here, you have the white Southerners over here, and it's time for desegregation. How many of you know that's not easy? What I'm about to read to you from Ephesians chapter two, fourteen through nineteen, is spiritual desegregation for the Gentiles. Here it goes. For Christ Himself has made peace between us and you Gentiles by making us all one people. Keep the parallel going here. He has broken down the walls of hostility that used to separate us. By his death, he ended the whole system of Jewish law that excluded the Gentiles. His purpose was to make peace between the whites and the African Americans, the Jews and the Gentiles, by creating in himself one new person from two separate groups, two separate cultures, Together, as one body, Christ reconciled. He made a way for both groups to come together by means of his death. And our hostility toward each other was put to death. He has brought this good news of peace to you Gentiles who were far away from him and to us Jews who were near. Now all of us, both Jew and Gentiles, may come to the Father through the same Holy Spirit because of what Christ has done for us. So now, you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with all of God's holy people. 
you are members of God's family. Great tension, spiritual desegregation, very difficult season, very difficult moment, very difficult time. But the heartbeat of God was to press through all of this great tension to a place of oneness and peace. Let me tell you, you did not do a good job. If you read the book of Acts, the whole thing of the book of Romans, the purpose of Romans is a theology to bring Jews and Gentiles together. There was great tension. They could not, they could not deal with the tension of telling us up here. We have to deal with the tension. The five to the four things that are most now I see in this, this iron sharpening iron of creative tension is to have to be context of family as we do life together, one with another in our small groups. Forgiveness. You have to embrace forgiveness both receiving repentance. Hey, I forgive you. You need to be good at giving. Say, I forgive you. Or would you forgive me? Are you good at asking for forgiveness? Or are you good at receiving forgiveness? Verse step 14 said that he has broken down the wall, broken down the wall of hostility that used to separate.
someone when it's not easy is the true sign that God's love is There are people that only the fruit of God's love can love that person. There are, there, is, there are certain people in your life that only the fruit of love being given by Jesus through you how you to love someone. Because the fruit of love is There, I know. You've got to cry out to Jesus. You have to do that. It's called sacrificial love. The length to listen is important. The length to which we must go, a sacrificial love is expressed very simply on the cross. Ouch. Jesus said, the act of sacrificial love I'm willing to go to for anyone and every is what Jesus lets literally die to that person. That is the call of God. We talk about our small groups and stuff like that. That's what God's going to do in us. So, for us at Vintage, we are officially done. When I get done, I'm going to pray for us in a second. Uh, as I'm praying, the small group leaders are going to make their way quietly into this room over here. When you get done, Excuse me, if you have not already, if you've already signed up for a group, make your way this way. If you have not signed up for a group and would like to, then you make your way this way. And you connect and go introduce yourself and go meet our small group leaders. Uh, you, can, you can meet them and sign up for a group. I think there are several groups that no only a few people have signed up for. Would you please start with those groups? That's going to get all of our groups signed up. Or also because when we stay true to what God's movement in your life, we're going to have a time of ministry at the end of this. So that's why I want you to move quietly out to the lobby and quietly out here. Kate's going to lead us in some worship. If you would like to stay and just receive ministry, there will be a ministry team. Ministry teams up here in the front. You're going to welcome to come forward. You can pray where you are. But I want you just to pray into whatever God is stirring in your life this morning, even about family, about where to connect, about taking your shoes off and planting, about the issue of forgiveness. Let God finish what He started in you this morning. So let us pray. While I'm praying, small group leaders, you can get out. As soon as I get done, the lobby go here. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for what you're doing in our midst. We ask that you would move in power lives, God, that you would bless us in the context of our family, in the context of our community. And Lord, I pray, God, that you would do as you said that you'd like to do, to put the lonely and families all of them. I pray that you would do that this morning. God, we bless you. Lord, we love you. As you draw us away. Can I say this real quick before you go? Please make sure that you send someone to get your kids. Uh, we, we got asked last week, said, oh my gosh, we're over. Right now, right now to get kids, and then those keys. Someone left a set of keys, and Scott is holding them for about fifteen dollars. Uh, we get this room. Love you guys. We'll see you. Get a small group list. You have a seat.